This is Ben Teitelbaum here with the Baller Shorts Podcast. Just a little public service announcement before the podcast airs. Literally seconds after finishing taping of our trade preview podcast, we're about to get a lot of speculation about trades, ESPN reported that the Hawks have told teams that Paul Millsap is no longer available for trade. There is speculation on this podcast about where Millsap should go. We're going to leave that content in the podcast because, you know what, the Hawks may reverse course yet again, but just wanted to update you, Paul Millsap, at least for now, supposedly is unavailable. But enjoy this trade speculation episode of the Baller Shorts Podcast. Welcome to the Baller Shorts Podcast, featuring... Doug Kraustein and Ben Teitelbaum. It is cold outside, but it is warm and toasty in here, not just because of the heat turned way up, but because of the love in our hearts for basketball. Right, Doug? Happy New Year! Yes, Happy New Year from the Baller Shorts Podcast. Sorry for the delay in getting this one out here. It's been quite a little bit of a break. Doug was in Florida for a while and had to get a haircut. Yeah. At what point can I stop saying Happy New Year to people? I was thinking of trying it out till like March to see what people said. (laughs) Like if you don't see someone in the calendar year, I think I'm going to cut it off tomorrow. I think is tomorrow January 10th. I think it is. It is. It is. I'm going to cut it off tomorrow. Double digit days. If I haven't seen you, sorry. You know, one of my go-to awkward things to say in the office, you know how when you're in the office and you pass people over and over again and you can't just say hi all the time. Of course. Sometimes I'll like point at someone and say, happy birthday, having no idea whether it's their birthday or not. (laughs) That's interesting. I should try that. I like it. Number one, it causes lots of confusion. But number two, people enjoy it. Like whether or not it's their birthday, it makes them smile. (laughs) Are you sure they're like smiling and nodding because they think you're, you know, maybe a little crazy? That could be part of it. But hey, if that brings them joy, then that's all right with me. Doug, yep. I want to start this podcast out with, oh, would you rather? Yeah. Would you rather spend time alone with an angry George Carl five hours a day Ooh. every day for the rest of your life? Okay. And have him write about it. Okay. Or uh, have no pinky fingers on either hand? I'm going no pinky fingers. Here's why. I, I think you could get away with not having pinky fingers. I can't think of one activity that would be severely hindered by not having pinky fingers. Also, George Carl went off on Carmelo Anthony, who's who's still the best player on my favorite team. J.R. Smith, one of my all-time favorite people ever. Kenyon Martin, who was a stud at Cincinnati while I was living in Cincinnati. Ray Allen, greatest shooter ever. And, on, and Phil Jackson, the president of my team, like it goes on and on and on. So are you saying that George Carl sort of took a direct shot at you? I think he might have. I've never met him, nor does he know me probably, but he might have in, unintentionally taken a huge shot at me. By the way, someone pointed this out to me today. George Carl looks a lot like the St. Louis Billiken. Interesting. I'm bringing it up on the computer right now. If you don't know what a Billiken is, neither do we. But they've got a really interesting mascot that kind of looks <laughs> like George Carl. Yeah. It's it's a very cartoonish, evil grin kind of guy. And yeah, I could see that with George Carl. I guess anyone listening is going to have to Google it because we don't have any visuals here. But yeah, yeah, I see it. I see it a little bit. Moving on. A lot of stuff's been happening in the NBA. Trades. 
Yeah, trades have started. Trades. Trades have started, and trade. I think that's going to be trade has started. <laughs> well, it trades... hasn't even been completed yet, as of right now. Yeah, what if it doesn't get completed? No, I think it's just like paperwork at this point, which is weird. You think that would be priority? As of now, Kyle Korver is still a hawk, and Donatus Muddy Eunice has, has made a successful debut with the Pelicans. Finally! The man has been freed ever since he debuted on our uh, Flowrider segment. I'm a Donatus Eunice, 11 points, five rebounds in his first game. An exceptional PER of 31, which would put him amongst the league leaders. He might be leading the league. We don't have a full stat on PER right now, but he's way up there. Maybe he should just quit while ahead. Maybe. If his maybe, back holds Maybe up. the Donatus Eunice news Twitter feed is going to come back firing. Oh, my god! We'll have to check that later. We will. But with the prospect of Kyle Korver going to the Cavs, which I think we both agree is – a good trade for both teams. Uh, I'm not sold on the Cavs side. No? I, I know Corver's an elite three-point shooter, but can't Dunleavy give you a poor man's Kyle Corver? He, he's a very good three-point shooter. Maybe he's not shooting well this year, um, but I mean, he gives you the floor spacing. That was the idea, and it hadn't worked out. And you figure the people in Cleveland who are now seeming to be somewhat smart have a read on Dunleavy not yeah. being the right guy for that team. I mean, look, it definitely... maybe maybe LeBron just doesn't like Dunleavy. It, it could be. Dunleavy seems like a very ornery type person, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does. He's, you know, very irritable. Doug's laughing because uh, we were watching the college national championship game and Chris Fowler used the word ornery and Doug was very happy to somehow work it into the podcast. He used he, it twice. He did it within the first five minutes. Congrats, Doug. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. But, Go on. That, what well, were you that trade, we'll see what happens. It's been picked apart a bit. Yeah. We are here today to discuss trades that maybe could happen yeah, yeah, yeah. if we're lucky or if the certain teams involved were lucky. Yeah. and You, you uh, got a few, don't you? I have a few, but do you want to start? No, nah, you start. You're excited for this. Right, you this got, is you did one, a lot of research. Well, this is one I mentioned earlier, and I still think it needs to happen, especially in light of the things been going on. Supposedly, the Bulls are taking offers for everyone except Dwayne Wade and a few of their super young guys. Even Jimmy Butler's on the table, but... He's playing exceptional lately. He's playing exceptional. Rajon Rondo has lost his spot in the lineup, which he should have. He was Michael a, Carter-Williams. He was a total flyer, and he's done. And I think we need to see Miami give up Goran Dragic to Chicago for Rondo and a first-round pick that'll be somewhere in... The teens. Interesting. And Dragic re-ups with Chicago? Because I think he's a... Is he a free agent? I think... He sh- might not have too long on his contract left. I think... From a pure basketball, as you look up his contract, from a pure basketball perspective, it definitely makes sense because the Bulls have no shooters besides McDermott and Miritich. They need shooters. And, and Dragic could stretch the floor a little bit. I was wrong. It looks like he signed through, what is it, 2019, 2020? Dragic is signed through 2018, 2019, and then has okay. a player option, which he will almost certainly exercise going into 2019, 2020. Right. Remember, Dragic is still under the old cap rules. So even at $17 million a year, he is a bargain. Yeah. Compared to guys like, I don't know, Bradley Beal, another guard who's proved absolutely no more than Goran Dragic and is getting <laughs> almost Bradley twice Beal. as much money Bradley as Beal has been playing well, but we don't have to get into that argument again. No, I'm I just... I do see what you're saying. I do. I think it makes sense. It's a steep price to pay for the 
um, Bulls to give up a first and Rondo. But I think they do need to admit defeat with Rondo. It's not working out. Well, it's not going to work out. But why would the Heat take that gamble? They, they've admitted defeat with Rondo. Yeah. And the Bulls actually this year have two first-round draft picks. They have Sacramento's top 11 protected pick for next year. Okay. So they don't have to give up their whole future in a trade like this. Yeah, but Sacramento's probably going to have that pick because it's top 11 protected. Sacramento right now is in the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, and we'll unless see. they deal boogie, I think they end up there as yeah, well. They're going to trade Gay. Uh, we'll see. We'll they're going to be buyers as well, though. Yeah, it and does I, not make I sense. I spent a while on the NBA trade machine online today trying yeah. to figure out what Sacramento is going to do, and that's a team I don't yet have an answer for. That's fair because they've got such weird pieces, and I hate to say it, but right now I'm not a hundred percent privy to all of the front office conversations going on around the league. Only some of them, <laughs> and. It's hard to know exactly how much value a lot of those young big men for Sacramento have. Like people like Willie Cauley Stein, but they don't love Willie Cauley Stein. Yeah, he's you know he's definitely of like the Tyson Chandler mold. He's very similar to how Tyson Chandler was when he came into the league. But anyway, back to your trade. Um, I like it for the Bulls. They need shooters in any way. I don't know though if it works perfectly because Butler Butler is now really their primary ball handler. I don't know if Dragic works as well coming off the ball, but he works better than Rondo does. All I'm saying is last year in Miami, the Wade Dragic connection, I thought it worked pretty well. And Wade did not leave Miami because of Goran Dragic, and they found something that sort of clicked. Yes, but but putting Jimmy Butler, who's the best player of the three, into that duo now trio and making him the primary ball handler is just a whole different animal. You know what I mean? I, I again better fit than Rondo, better fit than anyone else on the roster. If they're going to dangle a first round pick, which at this point is a you know, middle of the pack, first round pick if they trade their own pick. I, I'm not sure if they couldn't get someone better than Goron. Any names come to mind? So let me take you to my next trade scenario. And by next, you mean first? My first, yeah. Because you, the per, one of the people in this scenario could maybe play into it. Um. So... 76ers trade Nerlens Noel. I love 76ers trades. I yeah. love everything about the 76ers. Nerlens Noel and their own first round pick for CJ McCollum. Now, this is a trade I took from Kevin O'Connor's article on the Ringer. I altered it a little bit. He actually threw in another first round pick that the Sixers give up there. What are your initial thoughts? And then I'll then I'll defend both sides. I think it's the perfect trade. I kind of love it. I kind of yes. I kind perfect. of really like it. I think it's really good. I think Noel is the exact type of players the Blazers yes. need. Yes. They're a terrible rebounding team. Yeah. They're a terrible shot blocking team. Yep. Whatever promise, whichever Plumlee they have showed in last year's playoffs, it has not come to fruition. And, I mean, everyone knows the one thing the Sixers need is scoring at the guard position yeah. and someone who can create shots and make shots. Yeah. And McCollum, quite frankly, is one of the, I'd say, 10 
most dazzling offensive players in the game. Oh, I sure. put him top 10 offensively. Oh, he's fun to watch. And at the same time, might be that bad defensively. Yep. But the Sixers yep. theoretically have an eraser in Joel Embiid. And I don't know. I mean, right now the Sixers aren't in a place where they can think of the championship picture. I don't quite think yet. I think they need to think of a playoff picture, and McCollum certainly vaults them into a conversation there. Here, Here's my thought on why it works both sides, just to go in a little deeper. So why does McCollum work on the Sixers? I think it's obvious. I think next year the plan would be to have Ben Simmons as the primary ball handler. So McCollum comes in, and he can play point. He's when Lillard's not in, he's more than capable of playing point guard. I think the I saw some stats. The the few games that Lillard has not played this year, McCollum's averaging like twenty eight six and six or something crazy like that. But he can play off the ball, and he he's very adept playing off the ball, which is what they would do if they had Simmons and him. And it would give them the core of Simmons, Lil uh, Sim, Simmons, McCollum, Embiid, Sarich. And they could keep Okafor, I think, and put him in a Al Jefferson-type role, maybe give him a few more minutes than Al Jefferson's actually getting, but let him be the focal point of the second of the six, of the the second team. Let him be the sixth man. I know it's not conventional for a big man to be thought of as the sixth man, but I think it'd actually be a good role for him if he's willing to embrace it. And you know what I love about this also? CJ was a local folk hero in yeah, college for oh, Lehigh yeah, for sure. University. Yeah. So... In a way, it's a homecoming. It's amazing. And you know where Nerlens Noel is from? Portland, right? No, he's from Massachusetts. Oh. <laughs> you set me up. I, I no did, I did, I did. From. I right. liked it. Good. But, okay, from the from the Trailblazer standpoint, <laughs> like you said, McCollum is a subpar defender. Lillard is a subpar defender. Together, they are very subpar. Because subpar plus subpar equals very subpar. Breaking them up would allow for more defensive versatility. You can start Aminu and Harkless or Crab. All of them are better defenders than who they have. And I think most importantly, this actually frees up Evan Turner to run the second team kind of like he did when he was on the Celtics and actually excelled in it last year. I think he becomes the primary ball handler off the bench and he did real well in it. Whether you like him or you hate him, you're financially bound to him. And you want to put him in the best position to thrive instead of just having dead money sitting on the bench. And I think one of the really interesting things when it comes to 76ers team building going forward Mm -hmm. is, are they a free agent market? They haven't been for years. I don't see why not. Well, and you don't see why not strictly because of Philadelphia and I guess the Colangelos, which would make sense because, you know. The yeah. Colangelo name has and a they're lot not, of capital. They're not the they're not Sam Hinkie. But Sam Hinkie was was known to be a guy who had a process that was going to take years, and no free agent was going to want to go there. But now he's gone, so now it's kind of seen as, oh, let's now you know put our team together and put it to work. I get that, but I think there still is a tiny bit of a lingering stink. And for however promising Joel Embiid is, yeah, the team is still. Pretty, pretty, pretty bad. This is, they're all like playing together for the first time. Trust me, I get that. But does a marquee free agent go there over a number of other situations that seem 
closer potentially. It, de- it, it completely depends so, on so the player. So here, team building is why I like a trade for a guy like McCollum, mm-hmm. who's still under his rookie deal, still super cheap, is going to command the max, and under this new CBA that was recently unveiled, teams that have the rights to players already who aren't free agents are going to have such advantages to re-signing them and giving them extensions and giving them bigger deals. Yeah. So if the Sixers can get a guard right. in their house right. and don't have to look on the market, right. I think it's a huge advantage. Right. So I think we're agreeing with all these things. You can yeah. say right one more time? No, I'm not. <laughs> Maybe I will. No, but the one thing I do want to address is the steep price. Seemingly, I think... I think in this situation the Sixers are paying a steep a pretty steep price, but I think you you bet on McCollum. I think he could maybe thrive in a situation where he's even counted on a little more than he is in Portland. And he's a I mean he could he could in the East he's an he's an all star guard I think borderline all star guard. I think he makes noise, but to give up that first round pick, which is looking like it's going to be a top five pick for sure, potentially top three, could even be the first pick. You know, you don't know the Sixers, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, top five. Say you know, say it's four or five. You're getting a really good player. This is a really deep draft, but it's the fit. You 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 hope to draft a player that is as good, or if not obviously better than C.J. McCollum. It's a crapshoot. Yeah, this draft is stacked, and and you definitely could get a better player, but do you want to take that gamble and still have three big men? I think this is where you start and using, you know using the process. Looking at the standings right now. The 76ers are the tied for the third worst team in the league. Right. With two other teams. So they're in the in the fifth. Does CJ McCollum put them into the upper lottery, seventh, eighth, ninth worst teams? And they've been playing better oh. and they win when Joel yeah, maybe. is in there. Maybe. They're a few games back from some I'm just saying it makes from some, some teams. Uh, it I'm makes look, them looking good, at you, Knicks. The Blazers brings me to a trade I have out here. Lego. And it's with the team that I think, judged by the Corver trade, is deciding to blow things up. Atlanta's got seemingly such a capable front office, such a capable coach, and yet so much uncertain decision-making and, and direction. Well, Budenholzer is is the GM, right? Right, He's, right. Yeah. But the rest of their management. And, yeah, yeah, it's a good organization. Yeah, these days, after they sort of cleaned house with some of the bad stuff that was happening you know, as recently as... A decade ago. Right. But what direction are they taking? The Dwight trade, they were hoping to play Dwight and Horford together, and maybe Millsap was the guy to go because he was the most movable. Whatever they were trying, apparently there are rumors that Schroeder and Dwight don't like each other. Shocker there. Shocker of the century. But how's this for you? Millsap needs to move. He's He's not going to resign. It, it, it looks like he's not going to—I wouldn't re-sign if I'm him. We know that, and he's been sort of the number one most speculated about trade chip. He's on the old contracts that we were mentioning. He really is a two-way player who, who does everything on offense. How do you like this? Alan Crabb, Noah Vonle, and a first-round pick for Paul Millsap. Does Atlanta consider that? I think that has to be a done deal with for Portland. Because so, Portland is missing that position. They yeah. really are. And Crab, I think they would have to admit, was a bit of a strikeout. And Vonley is one of those mercurial, occasionally looks like he could be a really good NBA big man, and then occasionally looks 
uh, as lost as you know five year old Ben at Mountain Creek when somehow his bunk left him in the <laughs> summer of 1992. <laughs> yeah, that happened. So yeah, tell me first thoughts. Do you think like I do that Portland definitely takes that trade? And then what do you think from Atlanta? I think side? Portland definitely takes that trade. Definitely takes that trade. It doesn't fill a need per se, but it makes the team better. It doesn't give them shot blocking, but it does give them rebounding, I guess. Um, I'm a huge Paul Millsap guy. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. From Atlanta's perspective, I read today that they're looking for at least a good first-round pick, which if you give Portland Millsap, they probably are making the playoffs because they're on the fringe right now. So that's what, like a you know a high 20s pick? I'm not sure that's enough. And you're taking on Allen Crabb. You are losing Corver in that trade. You are going to lose Cephalosha either via another trade or free agency. So Crabb would fill a need. But Tim Hardaway is playing really well. And I'm not sure you want to financially commit to Allen Crabb that much. He's a good player, but he's not worth that money. And Noah Vonla... I liked him in college. I really haven't seen much of him in the NBA. I don't, I, I can't speak to, I can speak to what his abilities were a few years ago at Indiana, but I'm not sure he's going to hit, you know, I'm not sure he's going to hit that ceiling that people had for him. I don't know if I pulled the trigger from the Hawks. I shot Millsap around a little more. I like the thought though. I don't disagree with you. I just wanted to put that out there. Let's yeah, go no. another Millsap direction. Everyone's yes. talking Toronto. People have started talking Sacramento. They want him. Problem is, their trade pieces are terrible. Boo. You've mentioned this to me, and I've seen it a few places, but I don't know why the talk here is not louder. And that's Millsap to Boston. (laughs) Pair him back with Horford. Pair him back with... Hey, they were a pretty damn good duo for a couple years in Atlanta. And you throw in Avery Bradley, a first-round pick, potentially the first in the draft with that Nets pick. And then Amir Johnson to make the contracts match up? No. No. Avery Bradley? I don't know if I would trade Avery Bradley straight up for Paul Millsap. Are you kidding me? Paul Millsap is regressing. As much as I love him, Paul Millsap's regressing and Avery Bradley has not hit his prime yet. I think Avery Bradley is one of the more overrated players in the league. He's very good, but he went from being underrated to being overrated. If Avery Bradley were to be an upper echelon guard at this point in his career, he would have developed anything on offense besides a jumper and being able to fly into tip and shots I don't on the trade, offensive rebound. Fine, 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 fine. I, I would trade me. Avery for Millsap straight up, but A, Millsap's a rental. You don't have a guarantee that he's going to resign. And B, I do not give up. If I'm Boston, I, if I'm Atlanta, I jump on that deal. Because you get Bradley, potentially, he could potentially resign. I know his deal's up next year, but I would jump on that deal so quick to get Bradley in a first-round pick. I like that a lot more so than getting Crab in Portland's first-round pick. I think Boston almost needs to be in a win-now mode. Now hear me out, because I think this—I don't know if it's controversial, but I don't think it's the typical stance when it comes to Boston. Boston right now has the benefit— of a lot of really good guys on way cheap contracts. And those contracts are going to come up in a hurry. Avery Bradley is underpaid. Isaiah Thomas, who's making $6 million and now looks like a top seven offensive player in the league, way underpaid. Drake, Jay Crowder, their whole team is underpaid except for Al Horford. And with Horford getting older, talking about people getting older, 
if Horford was part of a championship puzzle that has to be in the next two or three years, especially because as great as Cleveland is, you never know the way the ball bounces. You never know with an injury. Cleveland is one. Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love twisted ankle from being very beatable in an otherwise mediocre East. And I think Boston, with its unique position of being able to make a trade like this now and survive it without mortgaging their future and be competitive right now, I think I, th- I think you go. I think you, you take have to. Avery Bradley, who's shooting more than forty percent from three, and I know he'll probably regress. But if you take him off that team, there there no floor spacing, zero floor spacing. Paul Millsap is not shooting threes nearly as well this year as he has in the past. I, I know you're looking it up right now. I'm going to guess what thirty two percent. He's regressed this year, and you know why? Part of that is he used to be part of an offense that moved the ball around side to side. Yeah, but the ball was humming. He now plays in a little bit of a broken offense, which is Dennis Schroeder bouncing the ball a little bit hard. Yeah, yeah, Dwight for Howard sure. doing stupid stuff. Is there a reason that Kyle Korver is also shooting much worse from three? I don't doubt it, but Millsap is not a shooter. I, I he's just not a shooter. I don't. Who do you put in the starting lineup? So it would be. Horford, Millsap, Isaiah, you traded Crowder away. So who, and Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart. And so right now. And who? Who's and the fifth? Isaiah Thomas. No. I, is Jay Crowder part of this trade? No, Jay Crowder's not part of okay, the trade. Okay, so he's the fifth. Okay. That's a, <laughs> I don't like that better than their current starting lineup. I don't. That's shocking. Avery D's up hard. He shoots. He's Marcus at- is an equivalent defender to Avery. Avery... Is Avery Bradley's stats are very close to Millsaps with like 17 and 8. What's Avery Bradley averaging right now? Something very close, but he is not nearly the player as far as creating and versatility. You don't need, you don't need the creation. You have and, Isaiah. And he's averaging 18 and 7. It's very close. I, okay, he, you know, you could call him overrated. Fine. We, I don't think we need to go Avery Bradley versus Millsap here. I just don't see it. I think the Celtics have pieces. I think so you think should. they move Marcus Smart, or who do you think they move if that they're trying deal, to go get someone? Yeah, I'm not sold as Marcus Smart as a long-term solution point guard. I don't think the Hawks would want Marcus Smart because they're kind of committed to Schroeder. But I, that's who I I would be shopping Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. I don't know if you can really trade both of them because they're very similar in terms of slashing, not known they're, for their shooting. No, you can't trade both of them. Right. But, well, you can move both of them separately, but th- those would be the first guys I'd market. I would only trade Avery Bradley if I'm convinced I'm getting a superstar back who is not 32 years old and, and so statistically like, regressing. So someone like DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're going to have to give up a ton to get Boogie. But, yeah. Moving – trying to get Boogie, though. That Talk about a gamble in terms of team morale. and I mean, Brad Stevens, God bless him, but – he would need, you know, he, he would need a lot of work to make anything like that work. But I don't think Boogie's moving this year. Okay, so we'll table Boston for now. I do think, last Millsap point, I do think the perfect fit for him is Toronto. I don't know if they have the pieces. I don't think they have very many pieces, but I think Toronto would be the perfect fit for him. There are reports that some combination, right, of Terrence Ross and a young big in a first-round pick could do it. I don't know. If I'm Atlanta, that doesn't excite me. That doesn't excite me at all. A late first rounder, and I'm much less high on Terrence Ross than some other basketball experts out there. Okay. I'm going to move on to a team that also seems to have lost its way 
uh, and that is the Orlando Magic, <laughs> who have one of the most oddly constructed rosters. And I need to take a little mea culpa here because I was one of those people that in the offseason thought that this strange experiment of unusually meshed bigs no, might work. so weird. Yeah, and you called me out on that from day one, and I own that. I deserve that. It's probably the biggest mistake I've made in my life. Yeah. Could Orlando move Serge Ibaka to the Celtics for a trade that works for both teams? Of course they could. And what do you think about that? Because I was thinking about that. I was thinking, well, everyone's down on Serge Ibaka this year. His numbers are down. He seems less effective. Yeah, why the does rumors he... have started again that he's, you know, <laughs> eight years older than he claims to be. Why does Boston want Serge but, Ibaka? Because here's what I'm thinking. Outside of Al Horford, Boston has zero shot blocking and very minus rebounding. Yeah. They've got good rebounding guards, but their bigs do nothing. Yeah. And the bigs that can shoot, like... Kelly Olynyk and Jonas Jerebko are terrible rebounders, real minus defenders, and part of me thinks, and this obviously is all theory because it's hard to figure out what is a problem with Surge and what is a problem with that Toilet Bowl, Houston, uh, toilet bowl Orlando offense. Yeah. I don't know why I went to Houston there. Um, maybe Surge hasn't regressed and he's situationally struggled. And maybe if he is the guy he was in Oklahoma City, that would be a perfect fit for Boston involved in the offense, moving the ball. A Brad Stevens offense right now with what it does and the way it generates touches for guys in different parts of the court, he'd see the ball in the corners, he'd see it at the elbow, and it's a fun, active defense to be a part of. Yeah. I don't know. if No, I think, I think Serge would be a great fit in Boston. But if I'm Orlando, what do you need if you're Orlando? You need floor spacing, and that's not something Boston can give you. Like the guys I would trade, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, they're, I don't think Orlando wants them necessarily. Um, they want Avery Bradley. I don't know if I, I balk if I'm Boston there. I don't know. That. No, I wouldn't trade Avery Bradley for him. Here's I'm... the thing, though, about the East. The East isn't too intimidating in terms of the front court. You look at the best team, Cleveland. I mean, Kevin Love – and Tristan Thompson, they're they're not shot blockers. I mean, they're good rebounders, but they're not in, in intimidating presence down there. You can play small against them. Same thing with the current construct of the Raptors. Um, same thing with even the Hornets and the other good teams. The, the East is not big. So Boston can get away with being small. I do think they need a little more shooting and a little more rebounding. Um, but I don't think that necessarily needs to come with a, a, a big guy like Serge. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about the shot-blocking aspect. And Isaiah Thomas himself alone has proved that, you know, shot-blocking isn't really an issue in the East. But like you said, the rebounding is a real issue. Boston Celtics right now are 28th in the league in rebounding. Yeah, but you know what? You know what? Look at who the top three are. The Bulls regressing. They're about 500. The Nuggets, below-average team. The Knicks, below-average team. Thunder, decent team. But, you know, you have the Suns up there. I don't know if rebounding is necessarily indicative of um, how good your team is, but it's definitely something they can improve on. So while, I, sure. while I agree that rebounding isn't the end-all, be-all, and we're just looking at sheer stats, we're not looking at uh, rebounding differential uh, here, which we should have had in front of us, and we don't. Apologies, we'll get that corrected for the next podcast. 
out of the 10 worst rebounding teams in the league, only a couple are in the playoffs right now as Fair. we speak. So you don't necessarily have to be a top rebounding team, but you can't get crushed on the boards night after night. That's all I'm saying. Crush you on the boards night after night. You will. You'll use that uh, those broad shoulders. Yeah. And the big behind. Yeah. That's right. Go to our website for pictures. Yeah. What's our website, Doug? Uh, I don't know. The Baller Shorts Facebook website? Yeah. And by the way, uh, we need to take a break because this podcast is being brought to you by box drums. You can use them to drum. You can use them to sit on. And you can use them as a table if you have an apartment in the East Village that's too small to actually have furniture. Box drums, an important part of your life. Nice. He did it, guys. And you can also use it as a stand for your podcast, Mike. I forgot he that He did it. Staying with Orlando for a little bit. Let's stay with Orlando. Orlando made a trade last year right after the draft. Or was it on draft night? It was on draft night. It was night. on draft night. Yeah, with the Oklahoma City Thunder. They clearly like each other. They uh, are simpatico, one could say. Theoretically. Ben's like giving these weird hand motions. He's getting really into it. I'm a little nervous. There's a chance their front offices may have history together and may be friends. Like not the type of history like with an ex, like like an old friend to reconnect with. All right. This is a very uh, simple trade and may not make a difference. But I think the Thunder fancies itself competitive. I think as long as they have a healthy Russell Westbrook... They'll believe, even though it might be a little bit misguided, that they can compete in any seven-game series. Yeah. They lack shooting. Yeah. This may not move the ball, but here's a guy who I think is underrated. What do we think about Jody Meeks for a a late first-round pick? No. Or maybe even a second-round pick. Maybe even a second-rounder. Why would you trade a first-round pick for Jody Meeks? Because Jody Meeks secretly is one of the better shooters in the league. So is Anthony Morrow. Except that he's not. Jody Meeks is not significantly better than Anthony Morrow. Jody Meeks is like a rich man's Anthony Morrow. Like a slight, like a Anthony Morrow with $5 in his pocket. That's who Jody Meeks is. He's $5 richer than Anthony Morrow. Jody Meeks' quick release is so much quicker than Anthony Morrow's slow release. Uh, Anthony Morrow's release is quicker than that. I don't know the last time we've saw side by side of their releases, but I'm si- dude. Okay, so you I, hate this trade. We can move past it. If Jody Meeks isn't the move, you want to talk ball. about Thunder though? Rudy Gay, perfect fit. All right, go. It needs to get done. Pitch something. That's it. Me. I don't know. I don't know what they would have to do to make that work with Sacramento's crazy front office. They probably have to overpay for him, and I don't know if it's worth it. But in a hypothetical scenario where they get where they get Rudy Gay and they don't have to give up. Um, a high first-round pick, which they don't have, or any of their... Well, they don't even really have tremendous prospects. I guess maybe a Rudy Gay for um, Ennis Cantor? I think there are seven roster spots in Sacramento already occupied by centers. If, if Sacramento wises up and realizes they're losing the bug... But they're I think not going to wise up. They're not going to wise fine. up. Well, I, I agree that's with why, you. That's why it's so hard to discuss a Sacramento trade because, A, they're not going to wise up, and, B, they actually don't have the assets they should for being a terrible team for multiple years besides Boogie. Yeah, because they've drafted. But Rudy Gay on that team, obviously, I mean, he's a very poor man's Kevin Durant, but he's having a good year. 
and you put him in that lineup, he's the perfect fit. They need a small forward. He could stretch the floor a little bit. Not a great shooter, but a good shooter. But did are we convinced Russell Westbrook liked playing with Kevin Durant? Are we convinced Russell Westbrook doesn't love what's happening right now in Oklahoma City? I don't think Russell Westbrook loses any stats or any time with the ball. He certainly loses time with the ball because if Rudy Gay doesn't touch the ball, Rudy Gay pouts and causes problems. How do you think Russell Westbrook gets assists? By being the focal point of the offense and dishing to people who don't care about touching the ball. Rudy Gay cares about touching the ball. But he's 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 There's a clause in his contract that he needs to touch the ball at least once for every minute and a half on the court. Sure. His agent wrote that in there. Sure. Anyways. You know that Rudy Gay actually dumped his agent this year because he couldn't <laughs> trade him out of Sacramento? You know Rudy Gay is on a team with someone who's almost as ball-dominant as Russell Westbrook? Boog. Oh, yeah, that's true. I was he like, deals Karen with it Collison. now. No, he deals with it now. Is Rudy Gay the worst... Rudy, for Rudy Gay, the worst name for... I'm trying to think of how to put it. Like, Rudy Gay couldn't be farther from Rudy Rudiger from the movie Rudy. True. I'm just trying to think if there's any. No else. fault of his own. No, no. No fault of his own. But, but are those are those the two most famous Rudys in American society? Giuliani. Fair. We're in New York. I, you gotta no, give him that. I'm, I'm not arguing. I just, uh, I left him out. I apologize. Or do I, I don't apologize. Sorry, Mayor. But like you were saying, it's hard to know what the Kings can do yeah. with all their centers and with Boogie. Okay, we've moved past my admittedly terrible, ter- non-essential. Can we go non-essential? Terrible. Okay, terrible. Essentially terrible. Okay, how about this, though, for the Thunder? Another thing they lack, besides a legitimate scoring three and, and shooting, is... That guy off the bench that can get buckets. Yeah. They don't have almost anybody that can get buckets. You know who can get buckets? If this is a Jody Meeks trade, I'm leaving. Jody Meeks! (laughs) Go on. There's a guy playing like eight minutes a night for a terrible team who's bad at most facets of basketball, but really good at getting buckets. Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight... In Phoenix, he hasn't worked out as a lead guard. He never will. Who knows where his head's at? And what, I really like Brandon what Knight. What type of player he thinks he will be. But you know what Brandon Knight is destined to be? If he really lives up man. to it? Jamal Crawford. Yeah. A poorly defending, streaky, but give him the ball and he can go get you a, a yeah. shot that could go in at For any sure. point. And you know what? For those 10 to 12 minutes a night... Where Oklahoma City is trying to put something together with Westbrook on the bench, and either they're having Enos Cantor every possession back someone down, <laughs> or Victor Oladipo try to create something. It's nah, not his role. It's not. No, he's shown strides, but that's not his role. I like Vic, but no, so, you're right. So how about Brandon Knight for combination of? I, I'm just making the the contracts work out here. Kyle Singler a.k.a. worst haircut in the league guy, and quick trigger Anthony Morrow. And Brandon Knight at four years, $12 million a year. That's, That's his contract it? right now. $12 million per year. Why would year. Phoenix take that trade? 
If you just get Singler because and Morrow? Bra- because Phoenix needs... Phoenix is done with Brandon Knight. Phoenix has too many young guys. Phoenix is all about the youth explosion and has to be. They're going to have a bottom... You, you've got to get a pick in there, though. No one's trading a pick for Why Brandon, are you... Knight. Brandon Knight right now. No one. No one's trading a pick for him. He doesn't have that type of value. And I think for a team like Phoenix that is, has already started to play guys like Chris and Booker more than maybe they you gotta were ask they were competitive. For, sorry, no, I, I got to interrupt. You got to ask for Cameron Payne or someone. I know you don't need these sure, guys. Cameron Payne. I'll throw Cameron Payne right in there. Just, yeah. You know, someone who seemingly inconsequential, but someone who, with potentially untapped potential. Potentially untapped potential. So, so you don't think getting rid of him for two contracts that are going to get off the books? I don't think. Don't, yeah, the, the Suns are, to play younger guys. are clearing him for cap space for I what? Mean, it wouldn't be a direct cap space for play. what? Yeah, but like for who? Lamarcus Aldridge. Remember, he was going to go to Phoenix. Remember, He's in San Antonio, He's in a great I'm situation. Kidding. I don't think Phoenix can really clear cap with the hope that people are going to come necessarily. I like their core. You know, they have old Tyson Chandler, who's still got maybe a year or two left. You will ride with Tyson Chandler forever. Forever. Devin Booker, who has unlimited potential, or maybe very unlimited. Yeah, I don't know. What's like just below unlimited? A lot. A lot. We're going to go with a lot. Nearly unlimited. I'm a wordsmith. Um, But no, they got Booker. My man TJ Warren, and they got those two bigs that they drafted very high in Bender and Chris. Um, Chris looks very athletic, by the way. I watched. I've watched some of him. He looks. He looks pretty good. Bledsoe, I've always been high on. I like the core of their team. But yeah, I agree. They should get rid of Brandon Knight, but I don't agree that it should be for literally nothing that would help them. Here's a question about team building. How many years away do you need to be to like really start over and just totally throw it to the youth movement? What do you mean? Oh, like how, like they, like, like just... you, you look at Phoenix's roster and you see, like you just said, a lot of really intriguing pieces that I don't know. There may be a year. You could say that they're Lakers esque, but maybe a year behind with those young guys. Like maybe the young guys next year or what the Lakers young guys are this year, but. With pieces like that, there's no clear path to being a contender anytime soon. Right. And so, at some point, you got to let young guys play. And and you yeah. have enough young guys. Like, I see what you're saying for a draft pick, but no one's giving up a draft pick that's anywhere close to the teens or single digits. Like, you're not getting anything. For? For Brandon Knight. No, you're he not. He just doesn't have that value. You're not. And this draft, dude, is loaded it's loaded. Honestly, this is a draft that could lead you, that could land you a player who could change your fortunes by 15 wins, 20 wins, almost immediately. I'm telling you, this is this draft has got some studs. Lonzo Ball, your boy. Lonzo Ball. He still needs to work a couple kinks out. He also might not even come out. He might want to like play him. with his bro. bro no, bro. he's a family man. Yeah. Ball for life. I wonder if they have like a ball family motto. What would your motto be if your family was on him ball? Shoot. Would it be ball so hard? Shoot your shot. That's a Shea Serrano quote. Shoot your shot. What would you name your son if your last name was ball? 
Hard basket. Hard ball and his brother basket. <laughs> I wouldn't name him small. Small ball. Oh, that goes well. As long as ball's not plural, then we're okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, Huge? Bouncing? Huge. Okay, I got one more trade for you. Let go. Now, you don't see a lot of one-for-one trades, especially when both the players are pretty good. Hardly ever. But here's a trade for two teams that are not as good as they should be, or as people thought they would be, that have regressed from last year's, last year, So, let me know what you think of this. Contavious Caldwell-Pope on the Pistons for Zach Levine from the Timberwolves. You're going to have to talk me into this if I'm the Timberwolves. I'm the Timberwolves. Why am I doing this deal? So, the Timberwolves have three potentially transcendent young offensive players. Transcendent or transcendent? Transcendent is uh, like transcendent, but... Edging towards being uh, unlimited. Ah. Unlimited ah. transcendency. You learn something new every day. Towns isn't going anywhere. Wiggins isn't going anywhere. Hell no. But regardless, offensively, they can score the ball. Defensively, they're a nightmare. Even with Tibbs, and we've talked about this almost every week, that, oh, they need time to gel and figure out Tibbs' system. They just have a bunch of bad defensive players. Let me take a quote out of... Jeff Hornacek's quote book. I just got some guys that can't play defense. And you know who leads the list of guys on the Timberwolves that cannot play defense? Zach Levine. Zarch Levine, exactly. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, meanwhile, really good defender for his position, can guard multiple players, and has shown strides every year. He's a plus three-point shooter and has started to develop a little bit of an offensive game. Yeah, no, he's a good player. On the T-Wolves, you need... Significantly lower ceiling than Zach Levine. Sure. Sure, lower ceiling is fine. But unless you're... Zach Levine's the type of guy, I think, who in a couple years, just because that potential, will be a max guy. And I'm thinking not just from who I'd want together, but who I can keep together. Contavious Caldwell-Pope will never command the max. He'll always be signable, uh, give you roster flexibility. So when you have guys that you're committed to, like Towns and Wiggins, who offensively can do it all, you need to surround them with the right type of guys. And what this team seems to need now is defense and multiple positions, especially because Towns okay, is a okay. minus defender. Time out, time and, out. And what the Pistons need is more scoring because they have a bunch of guys who can't put the ball time in the Time out, time out. Okay, if I'm the Timberwolves, first of all, I'm looking at Chris Dunn. I'm looking at Andrew Wiggins. I'm looking at Carl Anthony Towns have only played about 35 games in, in Thibodeau's system. I'm going to give them time to become the plus defenders that everyone thought they would be coming out of school. Right? Chris Dunn hasn't even taken... Chris Dunn is the point guard of the future. There's no way. I can't see Ricky Rubio Not staying on this Chris team. Dunn. I'm no, arguing no, no, against no. Andrew Wiggins, who is one of the least accountable defenders in the league. Yeah, but I think he's got the potential. I think he just needs to work out a few kinks defensively. I don't give up on Levine. I don't think he's ever going to be a plus defender, but I think he can become an average defender. I don't trade him for someone who I don't see having a very high ceiling at all. I don't see... Contavious Caldwell-Pope is like a poor man's Chris Middleton to me. 
the T-Wolves also are going to have a very high draft pick. They're going to have a top 10 draft pick, probably. Yeah, sure looking that There's way. guys in the draft, and I'll drop another Indiana name, OG and Anobi, who can come in and be stud defenders. Potentially. The same way that everyone thought Wiggins and Towns would. But if you keep Levine, who's averaging 20 a game, and draft another guy who can fit what you're looking to build defensively, it just adds another layer to it. I don't... I. Th- I also, and I don't want to go back to this argument, I also want to see these guys full year under Thibodeau. It might take a full year, but I want to see if there's going to be progression before I blow it up and trade Zach Levine, who's one of your budding superstars. I I see what you're saying. I hate that trade. I see what you're saying. I hate it. But I just think team building is more complex than that. And I and I I agree. I don't trade a superstar for Cantavius Caldwell Pope. Or a, not a superstar. Oh, Sorry, no, God. not a superstar. Not a superstar. I misspoke. I don't trade a guy with unlimited potential with a shade under unlimited potential for Cantavius Caldwell Pope. I don't. I don't. You know what? Wait. You have time something out. against people with hyphenated surnames. Zach Levine for Avery Bradley. Doesn't make much sense for the Celtics, really. You know, they don't really get better, per se. But they get a guy who could be better. But it works for the T-Wolves. But I've heard Brad Stevens really wants a guy who could win the dunk contest. He says it every day. Danny! Danny Ainge! Do they still have Gerald Green? Yeah. Oh, so they have that guy. They have that guy. Um, Alright, fine. But Avery Bradley would be the type of guy who I would maybe trade a Zach Levine for point taken good before we leave unless you have any more trades well the only guy i would also the other guy i would try to get and you would need a lot more than zach levine is jimmy butler but the bulls are not should not trade jimmy butler and i want to leave it at that yeah i'm with you speaking of jimmy butler i've just got a couple of this or that questions for you this or that you want to get with this or you want to get with that the first one is Jimmy Butler or <laughs> Butler, as in the Bulldogs basketball team. Who are you higher on right now? Jimmy Butler. Butler's good, but they're a sweet 16 team, and then they lose. I don't see that. They don't have the pieces to 14-2, and two, to just knocked off number one Villanova. Also lost to St. John's. I mean, it's, it's early in conference play. You never know what's going to happen. They're a good team. They're a good team. Brad Stevens built a good program. Chris Holtman is taking it to not the next level but kept it going but jimmy butler's borderline mvp candidate right now can't be an mvp candidate if your team is under 500 they i think are a game over 500 as of now we're gonna say they're a game over 500 and you can get with this ah damn it they're a game over i thought they were a game under and thus he could be an mvp candidate deal okay i got another one for you coming straight from boston Boston. Are you higher on Crowder or Chowder? That's Jay Crowder, who's not played as well as people have hoped they would. Right. He's. I'm not saying he's regressed, but he's plateaued a little bit, battling some injuries, and has expressed some discontent with some of the things coming out of Boston. Versus Chowder, one of the Boston staples. How New England clam chowder is significantly better than Manhattan clam chowder or New York clam chowder or whatever they call it down here. I'm going with Chowder over Crowder. Jay Crowder 
knows he's about to lose his job to to Gordon Hayward, and that's why he kind of had a hissy fit after that game when when Gordon Hayward got applauded. I think Gordon Hayward's a perfect fit on that team. And I think Jay Crowder's days are numbered, at least as the starting small forward. Last one for you. Would you rather have hard in or a hard on? <laughs> You're so proud of yourself for that. In what that context clever. am I in? Am I playing basketball? In, in, in Do life. I need another in player life. on my basketball team? Or am I... Right now in this very moment. With you sitting here. Probably hard in. And we're filming a, part, a podcast about basketball. Yeah, I definitely would want James Harden here. There are other scenarios <laughs> where I would choose the hard on. If you want, I can go into detail. No, we can we can save that. A little cliffhanger for little cliffhanger. our fans. That T- tweet probably... us. At Doug Krausen, at Ben Teitelbaum, if you want some more details. <laughs> hashtag Harden or Hardon. I just made that up. I don't know what you'll find if you search that hashtag. Can you imagine if tomorrow, hashtag Harden or Hardon started trending? And James Harden got really upset. And there was a lot of memes or Photoshop pictures of James Harden on the court. <laughs> but instead of him, it was a big boner. Or oh vice versa. God, or vice versa. Oh my god. Or vice versa. This I don't know is, what would be better. This, what would you know. rather? What would you rather see a lot of? <laughs> a lot of basketball pictures with a point guard photoshopped as a boner? <laughs> or a lot of pictures of naked dudes with James Harden <laughs> that as one. the penis? That's, <laughs> that's the one I want. You sent us down this road, Ben. I did. You I'm did. sorry. And I'm going to take us out of it. Oh, our brains get there sometimes after 52 minutes. Um, we got an all-star game coming up in about a month. Yeah. I was just given Dick Bavetta's phone number for an article I'm working on. He has a cell phone? I don't know he if it was a cell like phone. A I don't phone? know if it was a cell phone or a beeper or a fax line. I'm going to try them all. That's fair. And He's uh, a legend. Stay tuned for some... <laughs> Much needed, and I'm sure the kids are really excited for this, the Dick Bavetta content that's about to come out of the Baller Shorts universe. Let's go. Let's go, Dick. Um, of course, you had to bring it back there. Again, subscribe, follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, buy a box drum if you want to be a, a subway musician. I guarantee you it'll increase your ability to busk. And uh, for Doug, Doug, any final words? Just hashtag hard in her heart on. There it is. All right, everybody. See you next week on the Baller Shorts Podcast.